Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Kevin Kelp, continuing education manager at Diversified Fall Protection, about some new ladder safety requirements to watch out for. This episode is sponsored by Diversified Fall Protection. Diversified Fall Protection specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of complete fall protection solutions to keep workers safe while working at heights. Its turnkey approach creates single-source responsibility for clients' projects, from engineering and fabrication to installation, training, and system recertification. It continues supporting client safety and compliance over time with educational and training resources, as well as follow-up safety inspections. Learn more at www.fallprotect.com. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Kevin Kelp, Continuing Education Manager for Diversified Fall Protection. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jay. Thanks for being here. And um, I guess before we kind of start talking about uh, ladder safety, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and about DFP. Yeah, sure. So um, I work out of the what's called the DFP Mountain Division here in Heber City, Utah. We're up in the mountains outside of Salt Lake. Um, and this company was, was historically a rooftop anchor company founded in 20, 2009, um, focused on suspended access work and um, roof anchorages for window cleaning um, and facade access. Um, so that's kind of my background in the business it is from the rooftop anchor side, but um, Diversified Fall Protection is a company that has been in existence since the mid 90s. And, um, you know, they focus, they focus historically on facility safety and um, under the roof kind of applications as opposed to on the roof applications um, like like rooftop has done but most of their growth anyway in the last like you know, four years has occurred through acquisitions so our company founder keenan and, and jeff Schneider, at the time the ceo of diversified agreed finally that they're gonna um you know merge the companies rooftop so since january of this year um we call protection family but we still do business for a little bit longer under the rooftop brand but um yeah so now we have you know locations um, in all the time zones all the way across the country and doing everything from facility safety to confined spaces suspended access uh, temporary fall protection portable fall protection kind of applications um, and so, yeah, my background um, is in marketing creative. And when I first started working for Rooftop, I was a, I was a contractor hired to um, you know, do various communication strategy and uh, marketing pieces. And, um, you know, I was really, I traveled with Keenan Wynn and listened to him talk about the regulation and um, how it had impacted worker safety and the industry and all these new products that came as a result of um, the, the regulation. And it might, it probably sounds weird, but I was really interested in it. It's, it was easy for me to, um, to learn it and, and memorize stuff and learn new things because I just found myself really interested in regulation and what is the practical impact of the, of the regulation, both on industry, but also on um, workers and people's lives. And, and so there came a time after several years where, you know, I, I ended up being the person that would be sitting in a meeting and, you know, somebody would say something or I would see something on a piece of documentation and I would say like that code citation is not right. Uh, <laughs> so, you're that guy. <laughs> I don't consider myself, uh, yeah, I don't consider myself like an expert 
on consensus standards or on OSHA regulations, but on the walking working surface standard and on certain pieces of ANSI standards, I've, def I've definitely dug into them a lot. And, you know, continuing education was always part of our strategy. Keenan Wynn had always told me, you know, our goal is to educate the marketplace about fall protection, fall hazards, and saving workers' lives and the best way to do that. And uh, so continuation, continuing ed has always been part of what we do, but we really ramped it up. Um, since the acquisition, and now it's basically all I'm doing is continuing education for architects, you know, safety managers, safety professionals, engineers, um, commercial property managers, all kinds of different audiences. So yeah, that's basically the jam here. Awesome. So speaking of regulations, let's talk about the latest rule changes uh, regarding ladder safety. Yeah. So um, this is one. This is a big one. You know, as far as um, you know, updates to the Code of Federal Regulation. This is a barn burner. <laughs> this is an exciting one. Um, in 20, in 20, it's actually in 2016 that OSHA first published, you know, the announcement that the walking working surface standard, which is OSHA 1910 subpart D, um, was going to be updated in addition to 1910.140. Um, and 1910.23 is the fixed ladder um, part of the walking working surface standard and then 1910.29i is the ladder safety um, part of the walking working surface standard and and so those changes went into effect um, across a few dates starting in 2017 um, and the big things for ladders i'm sure we're going to talk about you know all the ways that they change but the, the big things for ladders um, especially when i'm working with architects and general contractors and stuff um, is, is ladder cages. This is a conventional um, way of creating safety or quote unquote safety or even compliance mm -hmm. um, on, a, on a fixed ladder of, uh, over 24 feet. And what we found, you know, as the data has come in and just in practical anecdotal kind of stories from the field is that ladder cages are making workers feel a little bit more secure, but they're not actually keeping them safer. They're, they get pretty banged up if, if a worker falls down through a ladder cage and um, you know, with the advent uh, of overspeed locking fall arrest systems on ladders, um, slowing the workers fall by bonking them around in the cage on the way down <laughs> is actually preventing that system from working. And yeah. so basically OSHA made this update that said, you know, if the ladder has existed um, before this date in November, I think it's November 18th, 2018, um, then, then a ladder cage is fine for fall protection until 2036 when it needs to be replaced. Um, if the ladder is installed after that date in 2018, or if it's retrofitted in any way after that date, then it needs to be replaced with a personal fall protection system in the form of, you know, a fall arrest system or, or a ladder anchor with an SRL overhead um, to protect workers and, and not cause unintended harm. Um, by banging them up pretty good on the way down, yeah. um, like we've seen. Um, and what? How, how would you define an active system? Okay, yes. Yeah, so um, an active system. So we we define fall protection systems, and and the ANSI hierarchy of controls defines fall protection systems as passive or active. Um, the latter systems that I was just talking about are definitely considered active systems because. They, they require active engagement from the user. The user has to comply. Um, the user has to change their, their work behaviors. They have to change their, their equipment. They got to put on a harness and be trained on it, connect it, comply, and use the system. They require an actively engaged user versus a passive system. The most 
common example of which is guardrail. It's just there. It's a barrier that works, whether the worker uses it or not, or whether they acknowledge it or not, or whether they're in a bad mood and don't want to use it or not, <laughs> it's going to work. So that's the main difference, the engagement from the user, active or not passive. And, you know, you're, you're mentioning, uh, you know, retrofitting um, ladders. How difficult is it to retrofit a ladder? Yeah, I, um, you know, my experience just in talking to people in the field is that um, they they find installing the ladder safety systems to be really simple. Yeah. Um, the retrofit kits that are provided by the manufacturers tend to make tend to make it really easy to install them, and that's intuitive. You know, um, the worker who does the install has to be on the ladder. <laughs> while they're doing it. And so it makes intuitive sense that they would make it really simple and easy to be able to get, to be able to do, you know, in a kind of a compromising situation. Um, one thing that we're finding a lot of, you know, conversation about is um, workers installing certain parts of, a, of an active system with the cage still on. And then after it's installed, removing the cage because the cage makes it a little bit easier um, to do the install because they have something to support them or stand on. Mm -hmm. um, but but to answer your question, you know, how difficult is it to retrofit a fixed ladder with a with a personal fall arrest system? Not difficult at all. Um, you know, the the lifeline systems, the linear systems um, are installed, you know, you, as the worker moves up the ladder, but the ladder anchors that are just installed at the top of the fixed ladder with an SRL attached. Um, are really easy. Connected to structure up there, and you know, hang the SRL on it with a uh, with a snap hook. Um, you know that that closes and opens using two separate movements to be compliant, and they're pretty much good to go um, in those situations. All right, um, and uh, there's another change to 1910.23, correct? On three point contact on fixed ladders. This is okay. So um, this is a a recommendation or a requirement from OSHA um, that basically comes from the this idea of fall protection being required at 24 feet or higher. Um, so, uh, people, a lot of people ask me, and and I think where this question is coming from is, um, well, what if it's a 23 foot ladder? You know, if the general industry standard says a worker has to be protected if they're four feet or more above a lower level, what? What about a 23 foot ladder, um, you know, and OSHA basically says um, and has and has issued, you know, new language in the rule to say if a worker can maintain three point contact on a 23 foot ladder, then it's an acceptable walking, working surface. Um, but that specific language of three point contact, meaning two hands and a foot while the other foot moves or two feet and a hand while one of the hands move. Um, if if that can be maintained, it's an acceptable walking, working surface. But I think for designers of fall protection systems and safety consultants, you know, um, the takeaway is we we can't. It's a user requirement, and we can't do anything about that. But we can ask about the whole space, like look at the whole work environment, sort of holistically. It's not just a ladder on a wall. If it's an area where workers are going to be carrying bags and equipment, and if we know a little bit about this business and about this environment, we might be better to recommend use of a stair system. Um, you know, it might be added cost, it might not, but I think OSHA is specific about that language to also guide designers of, 
of comprehensive fall protection systems to consider use of the area. If a worker's not possibly gonna be able to maintain three-point contact, then it doesn't matter if it's a 10-foot ladder, it's unsafe. Um, and so we should we should specify a stair system in the in those situations. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, what kind of impact will these changes have on the industry? Hmm. What we're seeing, um, what I the first thing I thought of when I heard this question is um, the use of ladders generally um, is is coming into question a lot. You know, only a small percentage, maybe 10 or 15% of fixed ladders are, are 24 feet or over 24 feet. Um, so, it's, so it's not as if the impact is to every fixed ladder. The rule says tw over 24 feet. Um, but we are seeing a tendency toward stair systems, like toward roofs, um, toward doors, you know, that open directly onto the roof instead of a, a ladder and a hatch. Um, we're starting to see more of that. We're starting to see, um, you know, specified ladder safety personal fall arrest systems, you know, in new construction environments versus having to retrofit them in. I suspect we're going to start to see, you know, we've already seen um, an influx of options for personal fall arrest systems for ladders. I think we're going to start to see ladders specifically designed by manufacturers with these systems in them or designed in a way that they can um, take addition of these systems more easily. Um, you know, in terms of the specific, you know, impact of ladder safety um, on, you know, on the on work environments, I think the the biggest impact obviously is going to be fewer falls. Falls off of fixed ladders are not a huge percentage of fatalities and serious injuries that result from falls. They're they're just a small percentage of them. Um, but these kind of rule changes that are adopted over time and just become part of our normal you know, thought process, um, they do save lives. And so I think in the long run, we're going to see, you know, fewer deaths um, year by year from this type of fall as, as workers and um, use the systems and as they're easier to use. Um, have you seen companies getting better with fall protection? I mean, we obviously still hear a lot about the dangers of, of falls, uh, you know, on construction sites and other work sites. Um, are things getting better? Uh, is the word getting out? getting through to them it seems like it is you know with the caveat that um fatalities from falls to a lower level are one of the only categories of workplace fatalities that are still climbing hmm. um you know deaths in the workplace have fallen um, the trend is down over the last couple of decades but fat fatalities from falls are increasing and you know, buildings are getting taller. There's probably a lot of reasons for this that ha that that have to do um, with you know, um, you know, spurious correlations, like or or correlations that are unrelated to what we're talking about. Um, but OSHA has responded by continuing to increase the fine for fall po fall protection violations, and and by continuing to publish their most common citations and fall protections at the top of the list. I think it's 12 years running now. Um, you know, so OSHA has responded by getting the message out. What we're seeing, one thing I notice, I have noticed in the last few years is more window cleaning companies um, refusing to clean, to, to take jobs. Hmm. Um, if there's not certified anchors on the roof, they, they used to just like tie off to whatever they could find. If they could get a buddy to hold the rope <laughs> and, and <laughs> lean against it and hang over the edge, they would do it because they want to make the money. But the companies, the bosses of those guys are now saying they, they, they recognize 
you know, uh, this is kind of an aside, but the change to 1910.27, a lot of the certification and testing of roof anchorages, um, a lot of that change came from the IWCA I-14 that was published in 2001, and it says that the employer of the window cleaner and the owner of the building have a shared responsibility to train and provide certified anchorages respectively. The, the employer of the window cleaner is starting to understand this and starting to see cases pop up where there's you know civil liability, yeah. um, wrongful death, in addition to citations by OSHA. So they're starting to require certified anchorages when they didn't used to. Um, and we're seeing more and more of this, you know, if I could just add briefly one, the, the industrial sector was really, has been really quick to respond to, to these requirements. And, um, and when I do my trainings, those, those guys are signing up all the time to learn, um, you know, environmental health and safety managers. We don't see the commercial property management like um, sector responding as quickly to create safer rooftops for contractors to create more compliant ladders like we're talking about we see them moving kind of slow and i think it's the incentives presented to them from the marketplace yeah. are to only make changes that can result in increasing rents <laughs> so yeah they're yeah. they're not responding till there's an accident and then they tend to respond really quick and so we're trying to get the message out by doing more training for those guys too yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, I'm in the Northeast and, you know, the last several years, uh, you know, there's been a lot, a big boom on, you know, house sales and, and you know, uh, renovations and things like that. And, you know, you definitely see a lot of these kind of work crews that are just kind of, you know, slapping a ladder up and, and just running up there and, and not necessarily setting any kind of, you know, fall protection systems up, um, you know, banging out jobs and moving on to the next one because that's, you know, the demand has been so high. I mean, have you, are you seeing that? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We're totally seeing that. And, and I have a Google alert, um, <laughs> set up for fall protection violations. And I'll tell you that 90% of them, well, I don't know, a, a large mm -hmm. portion of them anecdotally, um, are repeated violations to residential roofing contractors. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing that so much and, and, you know, like, um, it's a natural, it makes sense, you know, like for, if you think about the behavioral economics presented to the owner of a roofing company, to him, the cost of learning this stuff, the cost of buying the equipment, the cost of compliance and making sure the guys are complying because it can be inconvenient is pretty massive when the chance of an accident in their minds is pretty slim. Um, so I think it's important that OSHA continue to publish when these fines are issued and that we continue to get the word out because it's not as rare as people think it is. Right. Um, especially in residential roofing, it, you know, workers are falling and hopefully living, but often dying. And the families are going, getting into, you know, civil proceedings um, with employers for, for things that are already required in the law. Um, you know, so the employer faces, you know, liability in terms of breaking the law, criminal, and also faces substantial civil liability is exposed just because now the standard has exi existed for so long for these things. You know what I mean? Since 2017 has been five years, but before that, it was even longer that the consensus standards um, agreed on the best way to protect these workers. Um, so it's like, it, it is a cost, but we've just gotten to the point where we're trying to get our message out that says, um, you know, workers are still dying from falls to a lower level and it's preventable because we have products now and we have the training and we know how to prevent these things. Um, you know, and so, so that's kind of us getting our message out, um, as a, as a fall protection integrator, um, like for comprehensive fall protection solutions, 
our position is that workers should make it home at night. Yeah. And we find when we get that message out, when we say like, you know, these workers at high have families at home, they have things they want to do next year. <laughs> yeah. They want to make it out alive. And um, there are, these are preventable fatalities to make sure that those workers make it home. Um, what we find is that they respond more to that message. And so you'll probably start to see more creative <laughs> from us, from mm -hmm. diversified going out. That's really hitting that message home to kind of humanize this and not only see it for the cost of compliance. Yeah, um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about another hazard that you actually wrote a piece for uh, our website uh, about roof hatches and the sort of the hazards of those. Oh yeah, you yeah you set me up good. This is like a um, <laughs> yeah this is like a hot spot with yeah. me. I talk about it a lot. It's one of my big PSAs. You know, like um, fatalities from falls um, to a lower level um, in a rooftop environment. 30% of them come from falling through a skylight or falling through an open roof hatch. It is so common. Um, and people do not know this, I think, because we've so, we have been so focused on the edge of the roof. And in fact, workers do fall off the edge of the roof. Don't get me wrong. Right. Um, you know, but a skylight, for example, something that seems, it doesn't seem unsafe uh, by looking at it because it's easy to assume that it would arrest a fall. Um, a roof hatch, you had to climb up and crawl out of it. Um, in terms of exposure, the number of um, statistical, you know, the the number of instances in the denominator of the of the of the statistic of how many people do fall, you know, there's so much exposure because every single person has to climb up through that hatch. Right. Um, so, you know, between those things, these are these are opportunities. Like I think of it like this: if you have a capex budget. Um, that has a very limited amount of extra money for capital expenditures for safety, and you don't have a railing around your roof hatch or screens on your skylights, that is low-hanging fruit. I mean, um, the best way to, to prevent um, the most potential accidents is to put a railing around the roof hatch. The, the rules for fixed ladders, 1910.23, say fixed ladder over 24 feet requires 42-inch um, handrails or top rails for the worker to use to climb up out of the hatch. A, a roof hatch safety rail very often will include a, a rung extension like the one we make, the Safe Pro branded one, um, that takes care of that requirement. It has a rail around it for when the hatch is open and the worker's out. Now it's covered from falling through it from the roof. Um, there's an automatic opener solution that retrofits to that hatch so that the worker's not hanging off the ladder trying to muscle open that hatch. Mm -hmm. Um, oftentimes wearing a suit or something like in the case right. of a of a property manager. So this is really big exposure for building owners and property management companies. And like I was saying earlier, we're seeing that part of the industry pretty slow to respond. And this is a way that they can make a safety improvement that will really have effect. It's kind of a bang for your buck kind of improvement, protecting the roof hatch, make it open in an automated way from the ground, put a rail around it and make sure that rail has extension to the ladder for the worker to use to get out. Is it just a matter of it being kind of an overlooked thing over the years that, you know, that this is still a problem? I think it's because, um, I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, in my experience talking with people in the field, one thing they say to me all the time is, well, the building code says it needs to have a rail around it, but only if it's within 10 feet of the edge. So it seems like because the building code kind of mentions it, it sneaks by as long as it's 15 feet inboard, forgetting completely 
that for the whole useful life of that building, there's going to be a hole open on the roof. And right. every time a worker crawls out of it, you know, uh, so a lot of people think, well, it doesn't need to have a rail on around it unless it's close to the edge. And that's just not true. OSHA says that if a worker is going to be fit within 15 feet of it, a certain kind of worker, then it needs to be protected with guardrail or a personal fall protection system. Um, and so I think it's overlooked because we all use it and because the building code kind of mentions it, maybe there might be other reasons, um, why, you know, I can't speculate, but from yeah. what I, what I hear people in the field, they mention that building code thing a lot. And I think it's also exposure. You know, we all crawl up out of it all the time. Um, we worry about the edge of the roof, but we forget about the holes in the roof. Yeah. Uh, are there any other changes that you'd want to see in the future, uh, that would kind of improve, worker safety on, uh, you know, on rooftops and round ladders? You know, like, um, this is a good question. Uh, my, a lot of what I do because of my history with rooftop anchor and the suspended access segment is talk about tie off for rope descent systems for window cleaners. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what I think would make the most sense is because, you know, certifying existing anchorages might not be possible. You know, we might do a 2,500 pound pull test on an anchor that a window cleaner has been using for 20 years and it might blow right out of that roof deck. And mm -hmm. uh, so it might not be possible to certify it. So we acknowledge that the window cleaning side of it might get costly. Um, the, the roof hatch is, is much less costly and can be dropped, like just drop shipped and installed by the building's maintenance manager. Um, the automated opener is the same way. The skylight screens are the same way. So I guess what I'm saying is not every fall protection innovation is going to break the bank or strip out the capital expenditures or the safety budget. What I would like to see is especially for commercial property managers um, and EHS managers, if they don't have a fall protection expert on their team to reach out to a fall protection integrator like Diversified um, and get involved in like a five-year plan to distribute the cost out and to get it done in time. You know, we acknowledge that it can't all be fixed immediately. And when I do hazard analysis, I don't ever say like, we need to fix this all right now. Right. You know, I recognize it's just not practical, um, but having a plan and having a long-term plan that includes a line item for fall protection every year to make steady progress to improve these hazards um, is going to be better for workers in the long run, and it's going to reduce liability exposure to building owners. Because I don't mean I don't mean to ramble. I'll say this, and I'll land the plane. That like many building owners do not realize that they are exposed to liability. They don't know. Um, I have a buddy who owns multifamily properties, and he swears that fall protection on the roof is the result of, is the responsibility of the contractor. They really don't know. Huh. And um, in fact, it is true that the employer of that contractor bears some responsibility, but since 2017, the building owner also explicitly bears some responsibility for certified anchors on the roof, um, for guardrail to protect workers from falling through holes on the roof or over the edge, et cetera. If you're curious about any of that, what it means, it's OSHA 1910.28 is the owner's duty to provide fall protection. Um, we can we can tell you it and we can teach it to you, but you know you can also settle down with a thick book of federal regulation, <laughs> which I'm sure everybody wants a to little, do. A light reading, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For bedtime. Um, well, you know, and, and uh, I think the argument that that I'm sure you make all the time is that yeah, it's going to cost you a chunk of money to you know to improve this stuff, but you know if you look at what you're saving by you know people not getting injured or not dying and and you know like you said the liability side i mean i think it more than uh you know evens out 
Absolutely. When you run the numbers on the useful life of a building, it takes one worker fatality to destroy a family and to destroy that business. Yeah. One in a 50 to 100 year useful life on that building. So nobody can deny the numbers once they once they run it. It's just that a lot oftentimes because we're humans, we're emotional beings, things that will might affect us in the future don't have an impact on right. the costs we have to bear for them today. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, and so that's kind of what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring bring that future um, tragedy to the present day and put it in front of people and say like, listen, we're not saying you need to fix this tomorrow. We're saying put a plan in place, EHS managers, commercial property managers, building owners, put a plan in place to, to hedge against this exposure, but also um, to protect those workers and their families from suffering this very preventable tragedy. Let's put a plan in place. Um, you know, we don't have to do it all at once. We don't have to eat up the whole CapEx budget, but let's get started. Let's do it one bite at a time and we can help you determine which things are going to be the lowest hanging fruit um, to, to improve the numbers um, as well as possible one item at a time and go up from there, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, Kevin, yeah. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Jay. All right. That wraps up episode 122 of EHS on Tap. Thanks again to Diversified Fall Protection for sponsoring the episode. Learn more at www.fallprotect.com. You can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Thank you.